Welcome back to Feed the Need. This is Paul Pachter, CEO of Long Island Cares and the Harry Chapin Regional Food Bank. Every week we upload a new episode of our Feed the Need podcast. You can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Anchor. And as you know, every time we tape a Feed the Need program, we welcome someone who's doing very important work within the hunger space here on Long Island. And my guest today, and I need to take this a little slow because it's a very big uh, title, is Rivka Halpern. She is the director of the Rena Skolnick Food Pantry at the Marion and Aaron Goral JCC here on Long Island, which is located in Cedarhurst, part of the five towns. Rivka, welcome to Feed the Need. It's so good to see you. Thank you. So good to see you, and thank you for having me. And the studio audience appreciates very much that you're here with us today. So why don't we begin by talking about the food pantry? Tell me uh, what's going on in Cedarhurst. Who do you serve? How do people reach you? Uh, so let's start there. Okay. So like you said, we are the food pantry is located in Cedarhurst. Mm-hmm. We primarily serve the greater Five Towns area, um, but we also feed into Far Rockaway and the surrounding areas of um, Valley Stream. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just the surrounding areas um, and the bordering towns of the five towns. And the focus in your food pantry, can rec- correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is really providing kosher food support to the Jewish community in the five towns, or is it greater than that? So it's greater than that. So we are a kosher food pantry. Mm-hmm. So we do serve kosher clients, um, but we're open to everyone in the community. So we don't turn anyone away. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of our biggest challenges is the rising cost of food right. and kosher food, mm-hmm. which is much more expensive than, you know, your typical chicken or, you know, mm-hmm. items that you find on the shelf. Right. Um, but we serve the entire community. Um, we are slowly now going into the Farakaway Queens border. Mm. Um, and we've really expanded a tremendous amount in the last two years due to COVID. So we're right. really trying to continue to serve those clients, figure out what those needs are and serve mm-hmm. them as best as we can. On a monthly basis, how many people visit uh, your food pantry in the in the five towns, would you say? Approximately 500 families. A, a that's month. not individuals. Yeah. So mm. that's families. That could be 2,000 people. That could be 2,000 people. And we're really trying to keep up with the demanding needs. Um, And really, we're so much more than a food pantry. A lot of people don't know that. Um, Mm -hmm. So we are actually a social service hub. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And within the pantry, we do crisis intervention, Mm -hmm. short-term counseling. We have a domestic violence social worker Mm -hmm. on staff. We assist with emergency cash assistance, Mm -hmm. state entitlement. So we do a lot more than just food. That is our primary function at the pantry, but we are a full social service hub. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, very important. And also I find it to be very current because those people that are familiar with Long Island Cares, our tagline is because it takes more than food to feed the hungry. Correct. So if your organization is not only providing the emergency food, but also the critical social supports for families, for victims of domestic violence, uh, that that's just an, an outstanding model to use because I don't think a lot of people realize that when you look at food insecurity and hunger, 
there are several identified root causes of why someone would be in need of emergency food. And domestic violence is part of that. Correct. Because one partner may have to leave the environment and they may have to take children with them to move into a shelter or a safe home, uh, thus creating this cycle of how are we going to feed our family? You know, how are we going to manage to get by? Uh, the other thing that people often are surprised when we speak in public is that there are specialty food pantries within the network. And, you know, your organization is part of the Long Island Cares Network. And when you mention that we do have a handful of kosher pantries, uh, people are surprised. They, they didn't realize that, you know. There's no cookie-cutter model for any particular pantry, but with such a high concentration of Jewish families in the five towns, this just makes perfect sense. Correct. How do you go about uh, when you provide food or when you purchase food or you have food drives, how do you market that to the community in terms of please donate, if you're going to donate, please donate kosher products? So we have various ways of marketing to the community. We really work very closely with a lot of community centers, mm -hmm. temples, schools, um, and we do a lot of our outreach that way. Mm -hmm. um, we do monthly food drives with a lot of local community centers and typically we'll do like an item of the month or like a, a holiday. Mm -hmm. So last month we were celebrating the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. Right, sure. So we did a huge campaign within the community and collected all things needed for the holiday so people could celebrate the holiday with dignity. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, holidays in general are expensive sure. and then put the rising costs of food into that. Um, it really gets very expensive. So mm -hmm. we were able to provide families with all the staples that they needed to put the holiday together. We are, as you know, in a very troubling cycle right now in the country with inflation and the increased costs of the average market basket. Uh, do you see that as being a driving force right now in terms of more people coming to your pantry than before? We do. So right now, I think we're still coming down um, from COVID. COVID. Yeah. And we really were hit very hard with clients coming to us, reaching out to us for a multitude of needs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we really all dealt with a lot of clients who had loss of jobs, really were never in the situation before. It was really hard for them to reach out to us. Mm -hmm. um, but we're still trying dealing with that, although it slowed down. Um, you know, we're really trying to help families get back on their feet. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, was a huge part of it was really trying. Part of what we do, too, is we assist clients with finding jobs, mm -hmm. financial stability. So it's really all in helping them rebuild and get back on their feet. Right. Um, but the inflation and unemployment has really hit our families very hard. Mm -hmm. When what are you hearing from the people you serve as to why they're coming to you above, above and beyond the inflation? Um, rising the cost of food, mm -hmm. um, really large families and just not being able to keep up with the needs, um, outstanding bills that, you know, it's do I put food on the table or do I pay the electric bill? Right. And that's something no family should ever have to deal with. Sure. And, you know, we really we pride ourselves in really serving families within our community mm -hmm. with dignity and really help them to not have to choose between paying a bill or putting food on the sure. table. Um, but we really, we have a lot of clients coming to us that just can't afford to keep up with the rising costs mm -hmm. of food. And then also the kosher part of it. 
Um, like I said, that's a whole, you know, beast in itself is really trying to keep up, you know, with that kosher cost of food, you know, and unfortunately those families, they have, you know, they abide by those mm -hmm. kosher dietary laws mm -hmm. and they don't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, they're really trying to figure out how they can fill that need of filling their family, how to celebrate the Shabbat, the mm -hmm. Sabbath every week, how to celebrate the holidays with dignity and keep food on the table. When you look at the population, the Jewish population in the five towns that you support, uh, what would you say is the composition in terms of, you know, young couples or seniors? Uh, who's the population that you serve, if you had to describe them? We know they're, for some, they're middle-class families, but they're just struggling at this time. Correct. So we have, you know, it's a very large gap between the types of families that we serve. We we serve a lot of young families, um, but a good portion, probably 30% is also made up of seniors. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't realize the five towns. They think, you know, affluent neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, the five towns is a very type of mixed neighborhood. You get those very affluent areas, but you have those larger families who are renting, you know, within the community. Right. Um, so it's not what it appears. Mm -hmm. um, and it's much larger than that. But our, our, you know, our population really varies between families, seniors, single moms, you know, families struggling with domestic violence. So mm -hmm. it's a whole, you know, a lot of different types of people that we're serving within the community. I had a similar conversation a while back with an, another guest here on the podcast, and we spoke about this issue of affluence on Long Island. And, you know, if you go back 40 years, maybe 35 years ago, there were pockets of poverty on Long Island. And, and we knew where those pockets of poverty were. But now, 42 years after Long Island Cares opens up its door, what, what we see, and I think you see it as well, is there are pockets of affluence. But the majority of Long Islanders are really struggling paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, I, the environment has changed. Uh, and you see that we have 230,000 people in Nassau and Suffolk County who are in need of food. We've got 510 organizations right. that are providing the food to people. How, when you source your food, um, I'm sure there's a percentage that you purchase, and I'm sure that there's a percentage that's donated. Uh, what does it mean in terms of inflation and the cost right now in terms of being able to source what you need to feed your local community? Okay. So we, you know, we really survive on grants and a mm -hmm. lot of community donations. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, because of uh, inflation, we really have had to cut back mm -hmm. some of our offerings. Uh, during COVID, we we did get some COVID funding, and we were able to, you know, continue to um, fill that need for families in the community. We never closed our doors; mm -hmm. we were there, you know, the entire time. And now that things are slowing down with COVID funding, um, we really rely heavily on some of these grants. The work that we do um, with Long Island Cares and uh, some of the grants and some of the food that we get from you guys. Are you finding that right now in terms of your fundraising, that although you may be receiving the same number of grants you got last year, that some of them are coming in and with less money than in the past? Yes, we're definitely seeing less money. Um, but it's tricky because 
our clientele is growing. So mm -hmm. there's less money coming in. There, there's more clients that need to be served. Mm -hmm. And we're really just trying to work um, within our community and outside the community and get creative on how we can continue um, to serve these families, continue to keep up with the demand and the growing numbers of family mm -hmm. who require not only kosher food, but food within the community. Right. Would you... Uh... Here, here's a here's a question I have to ask you because sure. you're a licensed social worker, as am I. When you were getting your degree in social work, did you ever imagine that you would be directing a food pantry? Not in my wildest <laughs> dreams. <laughs> or even working in the hunger space. That that was not part of my plan. Yeah. It sort of evolved into that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as most social workers going into school. I think, you know, I had this idea of going into clinical social mm -hmm. work and, you know, I was in the clinical world for a while. I was in substance abuse um, and just needed a change. And this sort of, you know, fell into my lap. And I started out as just a social worker on the team mm -hmm. and worked my way up to the director of a pantry. Um, but definitely very different from <laughs> <laughs> what I started out with um, in social work school, but definitely a very fulfilling yeah. um, career and a part of social work that people don't really know about. Like, mm -hmm. This is still social work. We're still serving the community. You know, I'm still doing that clinical work behind the scenes with mm -hmm. clients, helping them reach stability. So although not like practicing directly, right. you know, I'm still utilizing my social work skills to help clients. And and that really is to the benefit of the organization, because as you mentioned, you're providing counseling to families that are in need. You're dealing with people uh, impacted by domestic violence. And it really does take someone with a social work background to make those connections and understand it. And, you know, nobody works more diligently in the community in terms of addressing environmental issues than social workers. Correct. So to find ourselves in the lead in the hunger space across the country, uh, it, it's really a, it's a, it's a credit. It's a credit to your organization. Uh, if people wanted to donate to support you or volunteer, mm -hmm. how would they uh, best reach out? So they can you. call me directly mm -hmm. um, at the pantry. My number is 516-234-6020. Okay. And a website? Um, so they can just go directly. They can Google Garal JCC, and they can go directly to the website. There's opportunities for volunteering, donating. Um, if families are in need to become a client, all the information is mm -hmm. there. Um, but edit, feel free to call me directly and I can go through the whole program with you, services that we offer um, and get a family set up with whatever they need. That's wonderful. And talk to me just for a second. We have about a minute left. Uh, your staff, your volunteers, how many people are involved in the operation? So we have uh, so myself, who's the director. Um, we have a food services manager. Um, a, a front desk secretary. We have probably about 20 volunteers who come mm. in throughout the week. Mm -hmm. um, our volunteers are very important to us. Absolutely. Um, they really are, you know, the meat and potatoes of our organization. Sure. Yeah. Um, they really come. So we are right now are operating on a hybrid model. So we have clients that come in in person mm -hmm. and they're able to shop and we have a boutique type of pantry 
um, where they can go down the aisles, pick what they want, pack their own groceries. Client choice. Client choice. Wonderful. Or, you know, some clients are still a little worried about coming out um, and being exposed so they can place an order over the phone. Right. Um, and our volunteers are involved from taking the phone orders, packing the groceries, handing them to clients, helping clients pack up their groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, we rely heavily on volunteers. Um, and like I mentioned, we have about four full-time staff members. Mm-hmm. We do have a part-time bilingual social worker and a registered dietitian mm-hmm. um, who is on staff that does. She's also a social worker, but will do nutritional counseling with clients. I'm assuming when you mention bilingual social worker, we're talking Spanish? Spanish We're not speaking. talking Yiddish. What no. do you do if people no. <laughs> talk Yiddish? Then what happens? So it's a bilingual Spanish social worker um, because that is a department that really has um, really blown up in the last couple sure. of years. Yeah. Um, so she has really built up that department and doing a lot of outreach in our Spanish-speaking communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, you know, we're not just limited to the five towns. We mm-hmm. have a very diverse population that we serve. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. So much. Rivka, that means nothing for you. It's basically the time. (laughs) We have run out of time, I'm sorry to say. But it's been so enlightening speaking to you. Our guest today on Feed the Need is Rivka Halpern. She is the director of the uh, Rena Skolnick Food Pantry at the Marion and Aaron Gorel JCC in Lindenhurst. They serve about 500 families every month, provide emergency food assistance, provide counseling, support services for victims of domestic violence, and really reach out to the community to make sure that this really is a community effort to make sure that people receive the food they need. And, you know, also one of the important things that Long Island Cares is working on right now is expanding our cultural footprint in terms of food as well as the organizations we work with. Rifka, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I look forward to other opportunities to share the air with you. Uh, For those of you listening, you can subscribe to our podcast, Feed the Need, right here on Anchor by Spotify or on Apple or any place that you get, any platform that you get your podcast. Until we meet you again, stay well, and together we will feed the need. Thank you so much. (laughs) 